This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and James Forsyth. Two Brits yesterday were sentenced to death for fighting Russian forces in Ukraine. James, can you tell us about it? So, I think the first thing to say is that the, the, these people are not people who've just gone out there to fight in the war. These are, are one is a dual national, one has a Ukrainian wife, and, and moved to a country a few years ago. So, I also think the next thing to say is they've been tried not in Russia, but in one of these self-declared breakaway republics. And clearly this does not conform with international law or the like. I suspect what the motivation is, is to use them as bartering tools. You know, there is a particular pro-Putin figure who is in Ukrainian custody at the moment. And I think the, 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 I think the Russians are very keen to, to get that person released. And so I think they will try and use these people as bartering chips. I think the one thing that is essential is that their detention should not change UK policy. Katie, what has the government's response to this been so far? So you've had the Foreign Secretary Liz Truss come out and say the trial is a sham judgment with absolutely no legitimacy. And I think what's interesting here is we haven't seen so much of this playing out publicly because I think the stance the UK government has taken, which is more public attention, could actually uh, be problematic in the sense that if Russia have intentions, which they appear to do, to use this as, you know, bartering technique to try and pressurise, um, it could just encourage them to do so further. And that's why I think they've been trying to keep this away from the public gaze. Now, clearly, that is very tricky to do now. And I think what's going to be interesting in the coming days and weeks is how do the families react to this? I mean, I think it's all very well the Foreign Office telling you that the best thing you can do is lay low and not say very much. But when you obviously see something like this, it's much harder to hold the line. James, Robert Jenrick today said that there could be a prisoner exchange and you said that there's a pro-Putin figure in custody. How much sway will the British government have with the Ukrainians? Uh, I think they'll have considerable sway in that, you know, the, the, the President Zelensky has been clear about how important an ally that the UK has been to Ukraine. The UK is obviously sending Ukraine weaponry and it, it is an, on the forward-leaning end of the Western alliance on that question. I mean, you also want to avoid a situation, you know, the Russians are clearly, as Katie said, intend to use this as, you know, a way to try and get things they want. They will try and use this to put pressure on the UK not to do certain things and that. that I don't think, I think this, I think, difficult as that may be, this must not influence UK thinking. I also think it is interesting that it was being reported today that those people who, who watch Russian um, state television say that this is not played out big on Russian TV. I think that is interesting. They are not trying to use this as proof that of their argument that they keep making on Russian state TV that Russia isn't just fighting Ukraine, it's fighting NATO. And I think that does suggest, to my mind, that Russia's intention is some kind of prisoner swap. Katie, there's obviously many more British people, although these two Britons, as James says, have are in specific circumstances. There are many more Britons out in Ukraine fighting against Russia. Do you think we're going to see more of this sort of situation? 
Well, I think we're seeing in terms of war crime prosecutions on both sides that this is going to be a big theme. And, uh, you know, Ukraine, we've seen uh, sentenced a Russian soldier recently to life imprisonment in Ukraine for war crimes. And I think you're going to see uh, Russia, of course, doing their side of this. Now, as James said, what they're currently doing is in breach of what you'd expect the rules to be because these people are serving in the Ukrainian army rather than being mercenaries, which is what the other side are alleging. I think... It's particularly dangerous, clearly, if you are a Brit in the Ukraine to be caught by the Russians. But generally speaking, I think we're going to see a lot more in terms of prosecutions. I think particularly because Ukraine see this as a way of deterring Russian soldiers from hurting their civilians. They want to have high-profile prosecutions of Russians in Ukraine. But when you do that, you'll see Russia try and strike back. And I think it's been interesting this week, some of the reports suggesting that Actually, one of the problems is that there are now more caught Ukrainians in, you know, by the Russians than there are um, Russians by the Ukrainians. And many of the cases that were probably see tried in Ukraine are going to be without the, the prosecutor actually there. Katie, back to Westminster. Lord Frost today said that Boris Johnson has until autumn to save his job. This was in a piece for The Telegraph. Can you tell us what he wrote? Yes, I mean, I don't think... In many ways, the main thrust of David Frost's argument is that new. I mean, he's ultimately calling for a more conservative government, something he's been calling for since he quit his role in Boris Johnson's cabinet. And in this, he's talking about lower taxes and also you know, things like drilling, fracking and, and so forth. I think in terms of the context of there being a confidence vote on Monday, I think it just shows you that... It definitely feels as though things have calmed down as the week has gone on. But I think it would be a mistake to see that as everyone accepting the result of that vote and thinking, well, he's safe now, we're all going to get behind Boris Johnson. I think instead, lots of people are just biding their time. So in the one hand, you obviously have the by-elections in a few weeks' time. That could be a trigger, though I'd be surprised if there was enough support to try and change the rules because of two by-elections that in a way people are priced in, the Tories are probably going to lose, no matter how shocking that would be if you look at one of the size of the majorities. But I think there is a sense that where Boris Johnson could come to a lot of pressure again is in the autumn. And uh, I think we're going to see in that time, we're already seeing it in terms of all the backbenchers now going to Boris Johnson with their demands, whether it's, you know, lower taxes or in some cases it could be more funding and I think we're also seeing that in in terms of what David Frost is saying and I imagine in the coming weeks and months that the cabinet will start to exert their weight too in the sense of trying to push Boris Johnson to you know give into their demands and that all adds up and I think that um yeah we will see I think the autumn not just because of the privileges committee but partly because I think that is the point where lots of tricky problems come up again as a point where if, if Boris Johnson hasn't turned the tide um he'll come to more pressure of course the issue as we've said in this podcast many times is lots of people want different things and can he really you know bring over the left of the party by winning over the right I think that those on the right of the party think that he should just try and pick one side and that is actually how you shore up your position rather than trying to please everyone. James, what did you make of Lord Frost's piece? I think Lord Frost now occupies for Boris Johnson the place that Boris Johnson used to occupy for David Cameron, which is, you know, in the, remember in the Cameron years, Boris Johnson, you know, that, that Monday morning column in the Telegraph, you know, uh, which is you know, the newspaper of choice for many Conservative Association chairman. You know, this was, you know, in uh, just whenever David Cameron was in trouble, up would pop in the coalition, yes, up would pop Boris Johnson with a piece about, you know, why doesn't the government do this or do that? And this is what David Frost now doing to Boris Johnson. I think it is also particularly interesting 
given that David Frost, something I think he first said to Katie Balls, is now showing more and more leg on the question of his willingness to, or eagerness even, to leave the House of Lords and stand for election to the House of Commons. I think I once said on this podcast when discussing something that, you know, that David Frost has now gone to the House of Lords and so must not, you know, you couldn't consider him a candidate for the Tory leadership. I now think that one needs to begin to revise that view in that he is clearly looking for a route to the House of Commons. Katie, do you think Lord Frost has bigger ambitions in the House of Lords? Lord Frost obviously led the Brexit negotiations and then went on to have a role in Boris Johnson's cabinet. I think once you've had a role in government, people tend to, if anything, increase your taste for power as opposed to, you know, pushes you away from it. So do I think David Frost is going to be the next leader of the Tory party? I would still be surprised I don't rule anything out these days but do I think that Lord Frost would like to probably have a role in shaping the next government I think that's very very likely you're already seeing that from the sidelines and therefore you don't know if that's going to be through MP or if someone was to go back into Downing Street you know when when MPs on the right of the party talk about a Downing Street shake-up which would now be the fourth um, which might say something more about the incumbent uh, than those around him I think that you know they would say, well, perhaps you would get someone like Lord Frost back in to be chief of staff. That's been floated previously. Um, so I think there's lots of ways for that person to have um, influence. I think probably going for the actual leadership, while there are some people who think that you can read all the columns like that, it might be a bit of a stretch, but you never know. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Coffeehouse Shots. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and review. And to keep up to date with the world of Westminster, sign up for Unrivaled Insight and Analysis with Isabel Hardman's Evening Blend newsletter, delivered to your inbox every weekday evening. Sign up at www.spectator.co.uk forward slash evening hyphen blend.